Hello, yes. Hello, indeed. Um, welcome to True Crap Pop. It's part of the True Cult Pop podcast. It's a spin-off show, actually, if you're asking. It's me, Stephen Hill. I'm joined once again by my compadre in bad music. Sounds bad, Sam. Sounds bad. It's Sam Slight, everyone. Here he is. How you doing, mate? Ayo, ayo, breathing hill as I live in Steve. No, hey. there that's we go. not what... How you doing, mate? I'm good, thank hey, you, uh, mate. Oh, uh, no, no, before you go into that, okay. Steve, it's the bank holiday. What are you doing? Who's with you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for... Uh, um, oh, God, what did he say about Sean Connery? A lovely lamb lunch of water and a ball of scorch. Uh, I'm all right, thanks, mate. I've just woken up. Basically, got back from Reading yesterday. If you're mm. wondering where my review of Reading Sunday is, I'm probably going to just do that after this and then put it straight out. And we put them out together, and we'll see what's more popular, won't we? We'll see what's yeah. we'll see what's more popular: EastEnders or Imagine Dragons. We'll see, won't we? Now the the question will finally get answered. Finally, at last, at last. after years of debate. Um, but yeah, I'm fine. How are you, mate? You all right? You good? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you, mate. I am suffering from a little bit of a, a bug of some sort, so apologies. The bug? A little bit more. The bug. Well, oh, mate, I'm definitely going to try and cop a ticket for him and flow down. Yeah, I think we, I was talking, I went to the clip and I saw lovely little Joe Nan, and he was like, oh. and he was like, oh, are you going to come see the bug? And I was like, yeah, I might do. But I tell you what, after Reading, I've got a bit of a, I've got an ear, as you'll hear when I do my Reading review, oh, my ears are fucked. So I will well, probably buy some. I've never worn ear protection, which is mad. Uh, you know what? I I wore earplugs for the first time to a gig the other week because I went to see Swans for the first time, and mate, I fucking needed them. Yeah, this is this is definitely the the place to review Swans live, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we are talking about you know kind of avant garde music that straddles a, a plethora of genres today, and so Swans and Swans. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Always like this. <laughs> oh yeah, we are. We're like. Um, Reason more around another wise one. And uh, yeah. So look, basically, you probably know the the drill by now. This is the podcast where we search for the worst album ever made. They're not albums that we ourselves have picked, which will become apparent um, <laughs> very very quickly on this episode. They're not albums that we've picked. No, no, they're not. No. They're albums that are here due to their critical reaction, their commercial reaction. Uh, some weird thing that happened, or particularly in this case, your suggestion. And this was one of our listener suggestions ages ago, back in the sands of time when this would used to be broken records on the old Riot Act feed. You can still go and listen to them if you want to. Um, you can still find them. You can still find them. <laughs> we are going to be talking about It's Time for Love by Adam Woodyatt, the debut album from Ian Beale. Yeah, released him off of the square. It, yeah, absolutely. Him released uh, the, this album on the. We don't actually know the exact date. But it's two thousand eight, sometime in two thousand eight. We don't have mm. an exact mm. date for that. Anyway, before we get into that, we're gonna give you the lowdown, the top twenty worst albums that we have reviewed thus far on the podcast, taken into the podcast and all of its various iterations. Starting at number twenty with the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band original soundtrack. Little Wayne, The Rebirth, Hard to Swallow by Vanilla Ice, Eog and Quig by Aogs, 
Phil Collins testifies Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics Volume 2 Blood, Sweat and Towers by Towers of London Cut the Crap by The Clash Corey Feldman's Angelic to the Core Philosophy of the World by The Shags Asshole by Gene Simmons Little Zan by uh, sorry Total Zanarchy by Little Zan not Mm. Little Zan by Total Zan. Imagine if you called yourself that Total Zan. That would be stupid, wouldn't it? That'd be yeah, mad, yeah. mad, wouldn't it? Paula by Robin Thicke. That one would have worked the other way around. Fine. Um, Methods of Mayhem. They're self-titled. That Absurd one works. Absurd debut yeah. album. Mm. Double Wide by Uncle Cracker. Bad Blood by Blood on the Dance Floor. I'm Not a Fan But The Kids Like It by Broken Side. Concerto in True Minor by the True Symphonic Orchestra. Crazy Hits by The Crazy Frog. And My Teenage Dream ended by farah abraham up there still at number one the worst album we have released thus far but anyway let us talk about mr ian bill adam woodyat mm. adam ian bill woodyat um for those of you who maybe maybe you're from abroad maybe you don't know who Adam Woodyat is, maybe don't know who Ian Beale is. Um, to give you a little bit of information about him, as a man, Adam Brinley Woodyat was born on the 28th of June, 1968. He has portrayed the character Ian Beale in the BBC soap opera EastEnders since the show's inception in 1985. Now, it would be easy to think <clears throat> that that is all that Adam Woodyat has done. In his life. Mm. He's actually done a fair few things. He uh, appeared on stage at the age of 13 uh, at the National Theatre in Tom Stoppard's play On the Razzle. Do you remember that, Sam? <laughs> do you remember <laughs> Not that, that, specific Sam? run. No, I can't I can't say that I do, no. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, I don't know that Tom Stoppard play. Um, I don't. I only, know, I only know Arcadia and I thought he was quite shit. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, don't let bit, lots bit of, of people hear you say that. There. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, he uh, he trained at the Sylvia Young Theatre School and uh, first appeared at the BBC, on, the, on television in the BBC drama series The Baker Street Boys, which I don't remember either. Um, that started in 1983. Apparently, it's about a gang of street urchins living in Victorian London. That sounds like something that could uh, follow up your uh, completion of copycats when you're finally done with that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I could do that. Um, so, uh, yeah, street urchins living in London and they assist Sherlock Holmes. Hold on a second. Of course they do. Hold on a second. Do. I don't remember Sir Arthur Conan Doyle writing about a bunch of street urchins that helped. I know Dr. Watson helped them, but mm. a load of kids. This is take this. Sherlock Holmes. Crap. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes not getting the credit he deserves for solving all of those crimes. This sounds like a shocking television program that I want nothing to do with, frankly. Nothing. Nah, I'm going to find it. Sounds great. Uh, and he also appeared in the 1983 ITV fantasy series. And I do remember this, Sam. I actually do remember this. The Witches of Grinigog. Any idea? Bless you. <laughs> yes, that is proper. What yeah, is that? that? The Witches of Grinigog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, the spirit of... <laughs> spirit. Are you sure it's not? The, the Witches of Groningen, and it's based in like a small, sort of provincial Dutch town? No, no, no. Okay. It's, it's Grinigog. Right. Enlighten me. 
Uh, it's a six-part television series, uh, which was subsequently wow, a lot, of, lot of storage crap, man. <laughs> yeah, subsequently rebroadcast in the United States of America, Canada, New Zealand, and Israel. Actually, wow. So wow. that's pretty good, isn't it? Shocked. Um, What's it about? It's about a strange statue, a strange statue, the Grinny Gog, oh. that yeah. fell off the back of a truck that was carrying. St- <laughs> this sounds like something off of Stafflet's Flats. <laughs> it fell off the back of a truck carrying stones of an old church. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, that just sounds like the production meeting, how they kind of brainstormed the show. It's like, well, this mm. fell off the back of a lorry. Oh, Let's use that. It fell off a uh, truck carrying stones <laughs> of an old church. <laughs> it is absolutely <laughs> building material. Banky, I love Banky. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, crikey. Uh, but anyway, a woman took the statue home and gave it to her dad as a garden ornament. As you right, do, just steal, do. just yeah. steal things from a church and just put them in your garden, don't you? That's hey, I, we've all done it. I, I, I took the Jimmy Savile um, uh, headstone that they, they got rid of. I've got that around the back of my patio. Definitely, definitely, it's a completely normal thing to do. I can see why you've never invited me round. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, uh, and one small boy in particular begins to experience strange feelings of euphoria and a desire to participate in folk magic rituals. Oh, the eighties. Oh, the good old days. Um, And at the same time, a nervous otherworldly child begins to be seen around town and appears lost and frightened. Uh, Meanwhile, three eccentric old women arrive in the town and appear to be searching for something. They bring with them their daughter. It's got in quote, unquote, daughter there. <laughs> uh, later revealed to be a mannequin, but at one point appears to be walking by itself. But basically, basically, I do remember this being on ITV and it's one of those things where it's just a mess, basically. It's a load of like, they Ugh. all go around this statue and there's loads of characters. And Adam Woodyat was was in that. He was, he was, he was actually, wow. he was actually in that. So... Good for him. Um, yeah. Uh, but then, I didn't know this. Apparently, after that, he decided to put his acting career on hiatus and he became a butcher. Oh. Well, you know. In Wales. a bad thing to learn a trade, isn't no, it? No, absolutely you know, not. Something, a job for life. Something that most actors have to do. I mean, some of the shit I had to do when mm. I was trying to be an actor. I mean... Uh, London Dungeon. London Dungeon it? was one of the yeah. big ones. Um, you had that stint as a letting agent. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to catch pigeons. No. I, I can tell you some of the jobs I did um, when I was oh, trying to be uh, an actor. Does this include the Chocolate Factory one? <laughs> no, because I didn't <laughs> so, get the job. I really enjoyed that story, by the way. That was, uh, that was very amusing. <laughs> I didn't get the job, funnily enough, because the girl didn't know what who interviewed me couldn't understand what death metal was. And I was like, you're a fucking idiot. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Patreon.com forward slash true cult pop if you want to hear that story in full. Mm, it's a corker. It's a fucking corker. And um, yeah, so I did uh, I did the bus tours. Oh, yeah. So I did the tour guiding on top of the bus, which is, I think, maybe the worst job I've ever done. Ooh, okay. Yeah, it's awful. Really, really right. bad. 
Uh, Did you do it in the Stephen Hill persona as we know it now? You're just like, there's a fucking bridge over there. No, I thought it was like my actual tour was quite good. The problem is London traffic. This is quite a tangent, mm. everyone. London traffic is bad, right? So you've got to yeah. do three tours in a day and you think, oh, I'm only doing like, it takes an hour and a half. It takes two hours to do a tour. I say six hours, not in London traffic. Ooh. So you stood there and you're like, there's there's uh, Trafalgar Square. Uh, we'll probably be here for about 45 minutes. So get a good look at that. And then people are going, yeah, sort of look at you stretch. go, say what you're not doing, you're not saying anything. And it's like, well, we, all right, there's a fucking prep. All right. That's ah, the fifteenth. The, the fifteenth prep London. Refer- no, I wasn't happy. It was awful. <laughs> it was awful. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I did a load of horrible crap. Yeah. Um, being an actor's shit, basically. Mm. It's no fun. Unless you're Adam Woodyat. Unless you're Adam Woodyat. But then you say that he went to be a butcher, didn't he? Apparently. So, so he, yes. you know, I mean, what's better, being a butcher in Wales or being on the Witches of Grinigog? Who knows? Only Adam Woodyat can tell us. Um, yes. So, but basically, he, he got offered the part as Ian Bill, and he didn't expect to stay much beyond the first year of the soap. 1985, EastEnders comes along. It is massive. And he is now the longest-serving male cast member of EastEnders, and he has been since 2013. Uh, he's got a Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, from the British Soap Awards, it says where he received a Lifetime Achievement Award for his portrayal of Ian Beale. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> it's not going to be for his work on it Tom... Wasn't as the mannequin on... boy in The Witches of Grinigog. <laughs> no, of course not. Um, and he's done a bunch of stuff. So uh, he won Celebrity Robot World Wars. Oh, wow. I didn't even know there was a Celebrity Robot Wars. Apparently, Robot I didn't Wars. know that there was a Celebrity Robot Wars. Did you watch Robot mm. Wars? Lovely Philippa Forrester. Craig Charles... Craig Charles, mate. Nah, nice. Yeah. It was great. Friday night, you'd have the double bill of The Simpsons, you'd have the Fresh Prince, and you'd have Robot Wars. Halcyon days. Yeah, that was good, that. that was yeah. fun. That's my 90s reference. I can't talk about some obscure post-hardcore band from Woking, unfortunately. But I can talk about Robot Wars. <laughs> oh, you little bitch. Oh, <laughs> you little here he is. <laughs> here he is. <laughs> um, he also played the henchman um, of the Wicked Queen in a production of snow white at swindon's mm. wyvern theater um to respect it he's been on celebrity master chef uh, in 2019 oh, I, yeah uh oh i think i remember seeing that he was on that i gave up on celebrity master chef a long time ago yeah he also um was a uh he was in Cele- i'm a celebrity get me out of here i'm just doing a sort of broad adam Woodyat overview at the moment mm. even though we've kind of gone past the album at this point uh he's also a photographer a hobby that he took up while he's performing at the national theater when he was 13 and in 2008 this is a lovely segue in 2008 he won the architectural photographer of the year award of the societies of photographers with a picture he took at st pancras whilst he was filming uh eastenders blimey so 2008 was a good year for adam woodyat because it's also the year that this album comes out yeah so um what what a what what a yeah what a year it must have been what a year funny story what and what a funny story yeah uh yeah so this is the year that the album came out and i think briefly before we go into it it is worth saying that 
he is not the only soap star to have released music. Lots no. of people release music. And in fact, when you go back to who, who's the first person you think of when you think of soap star releasing music? It's Kylie. It's Obviously. Absolutely Kylie. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's I Kylie. Mean, certainly the most successful of all of them um i mean there's there's a hell of a lot that i hadn't heard of i did find um not a brilliantly written article article but a thing on the official charts website about soap stars turned into pop stars yeah. and there were quite a few and it's like yeah I, I think it shows uh how unsuccessful a lot of that field was for people because yeah it's absolutely kylie and then some of the other people from neighbors those are the ones that everyone thinks of if you think about a soap star turning into pop star yeah but apparently Anita Dobson, a.k.a. Angie, the owner of the Queen Vic mm. back in the day. Angie and Den, Dirty Den and Angie. Remember that? No, you don't remember that. You weren't even born, were you? You weren't actually born when no. that happened. No. But you're aware of it. Di- yeah, I remember Dirty Den coming back and yeah. that being a big story. Yeah, and then he stuck his finger in his mouth on a webcam, didn't he? And he had to kick, oh. him. And he had to kick him off. He was dirty. <laughs> he was dirty. He was dirty. <laughs> he was actually dirty. Um, Anita Dobson in 1986 kind of starts this trend. So it's a year mm. after EastEnders starts. Anita Dobson is the first person from a soap to become, you know, like a, a pop star as well. Performed, the video is no longer available, unfortunately, but she performed a song, her song, on Wogan, which is, you don't get much bigger than that. So mm. that's where it sort of kicks off. I think the first sort of famous one, the first sort of famous one, certainly in this country, would also be from EastEnders. Nick Berry's Every Loser Wins. Are you aware mm. of Every Loser Wins by Nick Berry? I can't say that I've heard it, but I do have the artwork <laughs> in front of me right now. and um, It's a mess, isn't it? It's like a fucking Kraftwerk album. Look at the state of it. <laughs> it's got, it's got, it says, it's, so it's basically blue and it's got the word every right at the top and then nothing until you get to sort of halfway down the artwork. And then it says yeah. loser and then it's got, Nick, and then a picture of Nick Berry, and then it says Berry, and then it says underneath that the song featured by Wiki in EastEnders, and then at the bottom it just says Wins. It is a clusterfuck disaster of of a piece of artwork. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, it could have been salvageable in a kind of, you know, I don't know, slightly pop-arty new wave kind of thing, (laughs) if you'd have got rid of all of the references to Nick Berry. If it was just that solid blue with every loser wins in the middle, that that could look all right. It'd be clean, it'd be minimalist. But um, yeah, they just plonked his face there. And it's not not the best picture. It is not the best picture. I mean, he looks Uh, a little bit like he is a contestant on, um, like, Bullseye, basically. He looks like one of the blokes who... (laughs) He's like... He's not wearing a great shirt. He's grinning in a way that makes me think he's not entirely comfortable with this entire situation. And right. he's got about four haircuts on one head as well, hasn't he? <laughs> I mean, he's got like four. He's got a quiff. He's got a kind of mullet. He's got a quiff at the front. He's got a mullet at the back. He's got it kind of wavy on one side and then sort of combed to the side on the other. And you just think, well, that's too many haircuts for what I mean. Like, obviously, I'm too much power for one man. (laughs) I am going to say that, aren't I? In my jealousy, of course, I'm going (laughs) to say like having having one haircut is is enough, mate. But um, yeah, it's a lot of haircuts in in one picture. Mm. Uh, Do you know when it's got two in the charts? Every loser wins. 
Uh, I do. You do because you read the art- same articles I'm looking yeah. at now, aren't you? But I, I was very surprised. Um, I, well, to see the the position it got and what it dethroned. <laughs> it knocked Madonna off the top of the charts <laughs> to get to number Ridiculous. one. Ridiculous. Every loser, wi- every loser does win in this case, don't they? Apparently so. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, Nick Berry would be second, and then it's Kylie. <laughs> it, it's yeah. absolutely Kylie. Kylie comes along. And from, you know, Neighbours in the mid-80s was fucking massive, obviously. Mm. And Kylie and Jason were were big, big stars. Really, really Mm. big stars. And um, I Should Be So Lucky was just a massive, like, it was, it was, it was huge sam i mean i know you already know this because you would be aware of how massive it is we did an episode if you go again if you go to our patreon page we did an episode on fever by kylie and we talked about mm. that kind of the boom years that she had but that was a real game changer i think for for soap stars making music kylie minogue felt like a pop star nick berry never felt like a pop star i don't even remember angie watts and Anita dobson doing one but kylie minogue felt like a pop star and in her wake the people that came from Neighbours. And I think it says quite a lot about just how cool Kylie was at that point or how kind of easily she transitioned into not just being a soap star that Neighbours is really the only soap that has properly produced lots of stars, not just in music, but in acting as well. You know, Russell Crowe. Uh, guy oh, Margot Robbie, more Margot recently. Robbie, Guy Pearce. Yeah. You know, we could probably go on and on and on. Like the, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think wasn't one of the Hemsworths in Home and Away. I don't think they were neighbours. It might have been a Home and Away. Um, uh, quite possibly. Yeah, Isla Fisher was in Home and Away as well. I think so. Home and Away probably oh, really? had a bit as well. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, but like those Australian soaps seem to produce actual massive, massive stars, whereas mm. um, the British ones don't really it's a, it's a shame i mean ken barlow did do that grindcore split with norse <laughs> he did yeah didn't happen for yeah, him. yeah i know i don't know why that didn't take off as much as like sort of <laughs> mersbo and um neurosis <laughs> split but before that that yeah. actually happened um so yeah like i mean delta goodrim holly valance craig mclaughlin jason donovan there's a there's a lot and most of them did mm. pretty well for themselves. Have you got a favourite neighbours soap music maker? I mean it is Kylie, isn't it? Like it just is. Mm. I, I I do like Kylie. As we discussed on the fever episode, I, I, I think yeah. I'm a bigger Kylie fan than I've ever cared to admit. Uh but uh, I mean the rest of them I couldn't tell you loads about Jason Donovan's music. I've definitely heard some Natalie and Bruglia. Oh yeah, Natalie and Bruglia as right. well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's Kylie, you know, cut and dry, definitely. Yeah, she's the best one. I would like to shout out Holly Valance because uh, I think Kiss Kiss is a banger and mm. I might just fancy Holly Valance as well. Oh, here it, he is. I mean... That's you, putting filth in people's minds. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, putting filth <laughs> in people's minds. Yeah, um, she was good, Holly Valance. Um, but over in the UK, yeah, it's slimmer pickings. Mm. Adam Rickett. Um, do you remember Adam? I mean, Adam Rickett is his his wife is, an, is a reporter on Good Morning Britain now, and he doesn't look like the Adam Rickett that the sort of sexy little pixie twink that Adam Rickett used to be. But uh, do, uh, do, do you remember Adam Rickett getting a hit single at all? Do you remember that? 
I don't remember it at all. And when I was reading the paragraph from that article, it says something about, do you like uh, skinny, sweaty men in enclosed containers? I thought, well, yes, that's why I listen to neurosis. Like, I like that kind of claustrophobic feeling, but I don't remember Adam Rickett's music. Uh, yeah, Adam Rickett, uh, sort of most famous, I Breathe Again, the song was called, and it was right. him naked in a sort of perspex box. And he had quite a, quite a physique on him, Adam Rickett. Mm-hmm. He had a six-pack back when and this is the 90s as well right i mean i know like every i just been come back from reading every other kid had a six-pack every other yeah. sort of 16 to 23 year old has got a six-pack and is you know built like john cena right whereas in the 90s you had to actually work for it you had to earn it well I, nobody no, nobody had nobody went no. to the gym but like, i remember yeah. seeing fucking um alternate i think they were called uh, who were like Michael Jackson's? They they or they they toured with Michael Jackson. They were like a sort of, you know, a, a, like an R and B pop thing. And one of them, one of them was on. And Peter Andre as well. You saw Peter Andre, and you're just like, what's he got on his chest? And he just had abs, and you're what's just like, that? you're just like, it just seemed utterly inconceivable mm. that a man could could look like that. Do you know what I mean? You're like, that's that's mental. Like, oh wow, that's so weird. And um. Yeah, but Adam Rickett had, he had the sort of the full modern physique. He looked after himself. Nobody in the nineties didn't look after yourself. You didn't go to the gym. You play football, go to. swimming, or go for run, like run around, run, run around, <laughs> run around. <laughs> Let him out for a run. Go on, Adam. So was, uh, <laughs> run around with Mike Reed, who also released an album as well. Um, run around, go. Um, Kylie, yeah, I'm just looking at the thing here. Jason Donovan. Uh, I like that this uh, official chart show um, article that we've got here that we're, we're going through the pop stars one by one. Jason Donovan, the, the song they've linked is Nothing Can Divide Us, open brackets, first edit, close brackets, <laughs> which is... Uh, got it in one. Yeah. Um, surely that isn't the Jason Donovan song you should be sharing with people. Too Many Broken Hearts is is a big one it's uh, yeah, more of a staple of his life set i would imagine yeah and that's the uh, end to sandman he did um uh, especially for you with kylie was a massive mm. hit as well i mean that was a number one and he did have a, he had a fair few hits jason donovan i think we've had this conversation before on the podcast yeah. haven't we about me going jason donovan wasn't a, a one-hit wonder and you just sort of going i don't care <laughs> <laughs> which is uh yeah which is one as well. Um, Claire Sweeney off of Brookside. Apparently she had one. Going through this thing here. I uh, don't remember mm. that. Will Meller. Will Meller. I didn't know this. When I Need You by Will Meller uh, was from from Hollyoaks. Will Meller, of course, then went on to do Two Pints of Lager and a Packet of Crisps. The um, oh, precursor to Smithy from Gavin and Stacey, essentially, that is, isn't it? Yeah. Dark times. Dark, Dark times. times. Apparently this reached... Number five back in 1998. I have absolutely no recollection of that whatsoever. Torn by Natalie and Brulier. Yeah. Like, obviously, that is massive. Here it is. Holly Valance. Kiss Kiss. Got to number two. Um, nice. Oh, no, it didn't. It got to number one. And Down Boy got to number two. Um, yeah. I might watch the Kiss Kiss video <laughs> after this. Uh, <laughs> <Really nice>. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like this song. Martin McCutcheon. 
um, had yes. my perfect moment. Now, here's someone else from EastEnders. Um, Martin McCutcheon, a.k.a. Tiffany, off yeah. of EastEnders. Uh, and um, the, the quote-unquote copyright Richard Curtis, fat one from Love Actually. What yeah, a lovely sorry. film. What a lovely film. What Love a Actually. lovely film. What a heartwarming yeah. film Love Actually is, where the Prime Minister tries to cop off with the fat girl in his office, even though she's probably a size eight. Mm. I like the bit where, uh, I can't even remember his name, but I really don't like who's an actor. The bloke who then went on to be uh, Rick in The Walking Dead. I like the bit where he's um, stalking Kira Knightley. Oh, it's so romantic. That's heartwarming and Christmassy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so mm. nice. You should do that. You should go round your best friend's house, knock on the door, and when his wife answers, you should just give her a load of... Her a videotape. A video of you. Of you uh, all the times <laughs> voyeuristically you've, you've spying filmed on her. her. Yeah, yeah, it's so romantic, and it won't get you in trouble with the police whatsoever. That definitely won't happen. Unbelievable. Love Actually too is going to be like... <laughs> death wish yeah just a like prison break i always hoped that that prick from my family you know he goes to america oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know americans are stupid aren't they americans will have sex with anybody with a british accent even a mm, big ginger mm. goofy toss pot like the man <laughs> from my family i really hoped that those three girls were like that that love actually intersections with another film which was about three attractive young ladies who just kill pervy men and I was hoping they're going to take him back and torture him, uh, yeah. like turn into hostel, reverse hostel. Yeah, yeah. that's what, <laughs> that would have been good. Um, we can dream, can't we? We can dream. Bill Tarmy, um, who was Jack Duckworth, don't remember that. Um, Tracy Shaw, I do remember that. Tracy Shaw was a bit of a. She was on Coronation Street. She had a hit which got to number forty-six. Uh, happening all over again. I'm pretty sure that that Sounds is like another another song. Del Goodrim had a few hits. Uh, as we mentioned, she got to number three with Born to Try. Uh, and the video's got Brian McFadden off of Westlife in it. Brian McFadden, of oh. course, at the time married to Kerry Katona and just binned her off for Delta Goodrim. At the time, I remember thinking, what a bastard. And now the more I learn about Kerry Katona, the more I go, I think I probably would have gone out Better with Delta Del Goodrim as well, to be honest. Um yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of people that I don't know here, like Matthew Marsden from Coronation Street. They put Ant and Deck here. I don't think that Ant and Deck is Biker Grover soap. He's a soap. I wouldn't say so, no. I don't think that counts. Anyway. No. Um, so they've got Ant and Deck here. Drake have got here as well. Drake. Actual, what, in actual, actual, actual Drake. Drake, yeah, actual Ooh. dickhead Drake. What was uh, he in? Was he in Brookside? <laughs> <laughs> he was. He was. Uh, when they, he was in the bill. He was Benny. They re- re- rebooted Crossroads. <laughs> but anyway, oh God! Short, I hope, uh, short stint. I hope, yeah. I hope Bobby Davro doesn't see that and do an impression. <laughs> of me. Oh, he'd love to, wouldn't he? He'd love to. Um, he loves it. He was on a. Uh, a Canadian show called Degrassi. Right. I don't know what that is. I've absolutely I no don't idea. Care to learn. And the picture is him, uh, and he's he's in a wheelchair as well. So he's got range. He wouldn't. He's what? He's got range. He's got range. <laughs> <laughs> he shouldn't be playing that part. Anyway, there you go. 
Although somebody in the comments, first comment says, Anita Dobson wasn't the first soap star with a hit song in the charts. Sue Nicholson, who plays Audrey from Coronation Street, Street hit number 17 in 1968 when she was in Crossroads. Uh, so, sorry, happy to clear that up. Yes. More than happy to clear that up. So basically, soap stars... Uh, someone also has put Kanye West plus Eminem plus Lil Wayne equals banger. They are three of the worst rappers around. It's not really. I think we know he left that comment. Uh, <laughs> Bobby Davro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So here's the thing with this album, getting back to it. So Adam Woodyat is not the first and not the last, I'm sure, soap star to release an album. The thing is, Sam, is that we, at the end of the last show, when we did the, the Bruno, the, the, the Bruce Willis the Bruno, Bruno, the return of Bruno, yeah. the return of Bruno, sorry, the return of Bruno. We want to make it yeah, think like on. it was the first time we'd heard of no, Bruno. No, no, Obviously, no. we were more than familiar with Bruno. Um, we were like, oh, where is this album? It's quite difficult to find. Mm. I mean, you've you've put the you've put the hours in for this. I've mate. put the hours in, so we couldn't find fuck all about this record, right? And so I decided to email Phil Dale at Q Talent Management. <laughs> I thought you could give us email address. For a minute there, you probably, you probably can't do that. <laughs> well, it's on Phil Dale at AOL. It's on the internet. If you want to find it, yeah. it's on. It is on the internet. Phil Dell is Adam Woodyatt's agent. And I was mm. like, I'm not letting this slide. We're going to fucking find, we're going to get to the bottom of this, right? Yeah, yeah. So I sent him an email and I said this. I said, hello, Phil. I hope you're well. My name is Stephen Hill. I am a music journalist and the host of a music podcast called True Cold Pop. To give you a bit of background on myself and the show, I've been writing it. I just I bigged up myself here. Yeah, yeah, I did yeah, a little yeah. big up. I said, you know, this is this is what we've got. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no. I'm not, yeah, not going to read out myself. Opinion. Yeah reading out what I sent someone trying to get them to impress it. Anyway, um, I'm hoping you might be able to help me out with something we are doing alongside the show regarding one of your clients. One of the regular features we do on the show is to listen, rank, reappraise bad albums. These are not albums we are, that we ourselves dislike. Get that in early, just so you don't think I'm slagging yeah, yeah, yeah. off his client. Rather albums that have poor reviews to go battle interaction or some other things around them that leads to a negative reputation. We take suggestions from our listeners and one such sister suggested an album named It's Time for Love by Adam Woodyat. This was many, many months ago now and unfortunately I haven't been able to track down said listener, by the way. Always be open to suggestions of albums we haven't heard. We stuck the album into our hat and picked it out at random for wherever time came. At the end of the previous episode, the album was plucked from the hat. It's at this point that myself and my co-host Sam go and listen to the album and try and get a handle on the story of it. Uh, an immediate Google of It's Time for Love by Adam Wood, it seemed to show that there was no such album. We wondered if we, it had been buried in the mist of time. But as we dig further and further into the depths of the internet, there appears to be zero evidence of this record. So rather than totally give up on it, I thought I'd email you as you're listed in Adam's contact on his Twitter page to see if you had any idea whatsoever regarding the existence of this album. Just to be clear, this is no way a troll, at least not by us. We legitimately have been informed that this is an album and our intention is not to insult or sneer at anything or anyone. We're just trying to look at the mechanics of unusual albums in the music industry. We'd love to know if there's any truth to this at all, if Adam was ever presented with a chance at a music career, if there's something he desired, or if we were a pair of far too easily suggestible people. Any light you could shed on the subject would be more than appreciated. All the best, Steve. And now, um, uh, so Phil responded with a cavalcade of information about this record, right, that, Absolutely that you lad. couldn't find anywhere else. I've got a doc in front of me. 
full of stuff that they sent out um, and received and yada, 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 based on Ian Bill's just completely... You, you can't fucking find this shit anywhere. You can't fucking find it anywhere. There's no point fucking... Get you. I mean, maybe Bing is better than Google. We didn't Bing it. No, we didn't. And that's, that is a failing on our part. Maybe <laughs> next time, you know. <laughs> but some of the shit that he sent is absolutely mad, right? So mm. um, there's not really any kind of background that we can give you on this album other than it's Adam Woodyat. He was in the fucking... the ghosts of gryffindor or whatever it's fucking called. <laughs> <laughs> the witches of Grinny gog i should say um and um yeah he uh, he sent us this stuff right mm. they sent a press release out to kerrang magazine I know. kerrang it's, it's magazine it's bold isn't it it is bold it oh, is yeah. bold um kerrang magazine exclusive um this is what they they sent it ian bill set to rock the nation with his debut solo album it's time for love uh this is what it says east enders iconic character ventures into music with a bang london uk brace yourself rockers and soap fans alike for a groundbreaking revelation that will shake the nation Iconic EastEnders character Ian Bill, portrayed by the legendary Adam Woodyat, is breaking free from the square and ventured into uncharted territory, the world of music. Uh, Kerrang! magazine is thrilled to excuse to announce that Ian Bill is set to release his debut solo album, It's Time for Love. While Bill's character has been synonymous with the drama-filled streets of Walford, no one saw this sonic curveball coming. Having dominated the small screen for decades, this bold move into the music scene has taken fans by storm and there's no turning back now. It's Time for Love promises to be an audacious fusion of hard-hitting rock anthems and emotionally charged ballads mirroring the drama and passion that EastEnders viewers have come to love. That's what I've come to love. I have come to love passion and drama via, via Ian Bill. Definitely. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I hope whoever wrote that, you know, got paid a a decent whack of money because they've 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 fu- they've fucking written their heart out of that, haven't they? They <laughs> yeah. put all, all the words, all the words you can find, uh, all the hyperbole, you can all the hype. Find um, uh, with Ian, Channel's inner rock star. This album is set to prove that age is just a number when it comes to rocking out. And they actually interviewed Adam Woodyat, who says this: "I've always had a passion for music, and after playing Ian Bill for so many years, it felt like the perfect time to explore a new creative outlet. It's time for love is a labour of love, and I can't wait to share this journey with all the fans out there." Uh, rumours that adventures have been circulating for months and fans have been eagerly anticipating any news about this project the album is set to feature powerful collaborations with the renowned rock musicians adding even more excitement to this unprecedented revelation I like the way it doesn't actually say <laughs> who that is doesn't actually... yeah. <laughs> if, if you had if you had Eddie sl- Van Halen Slash on this album <laughs> you go and we've got Slash well, you wouldn't yeah. just go we've got world renowned rock stars like who Oh. You'll, you'll see. You'll see. <laughs> She'll see me. She'll yeah, see me. Anyway. Um, <laughs> fans can expect the first single music video from the album to drop next month. And trust us, you won't want to miss it. The anticipation is already off the charts with social media buzz- buzzing with both support and intrigue over this unexpected musical venture. So Mighty Candor's rockers and EastEnders are enthusiasts. <laughs> that very small. <laughs> very small. It's not the biggest Venn diagram. Is it's it? not. Um it's time for love is set to hit the airwaves and stores this fall. Brace yourself for an unforgettable musical journey as Ian Bill shatters the boundaries of soap stardom to conquer the rock realm. Uh, colour me intrigued, Sam. 
Mm, it's it's a bold opening statement, certainly. And I mean, I, I, I do think almost willfully kind of misguiding because obviously, as we have just established, there is precedent for soap stars to go into music. And so it's like, well, if you're saying he's going to like blow the rock world open, I mean, that's some fucking big guns to be coming out with. Is your first announcement for your debut album. Yeah. But it's Ian Bill at the end of the day an iconic character <laughs> definitely British soap yeah definitely an iconic an iconic character it's like this is the soap equivalent of of Luke Skywalker releasing a solo album isn't it which definitely you know he wasn't Christmas on the, the stars. stars yeah he wasn't on that no. though was he wasn't no. on it that's the problem saving himself that album. yeah yeah. That, yeah that's the issue <laughs> that was definitely the issue yeah, um, definitely. there's a press release that was going that, that kind of went out to everyone so that was like a kind of exclusive there's a press release um, that says renowned for his business acumen and captivating role on the small screen the multi-talented Ian Bill takes giant leaves into the music world with his highly anticipated debut album It's Time for Love fusing soulful melodies with heartfelt lyrics the album promises to be a mesmerising journey of emotions releasing on and then it's got release date which obviously we don't have um, yeah. I like the way they've sort of fused <laughs> the character he's playing <laughs> With the actual person that he is, so I mean, I, Ian yeah, Bill. I wonder was... if Phil has slightly edited that for his own kind of, I don't know, just a laugh. Renowned for his business acumen and his captivating role, Adam Woodyat is not known for his business acumen, is he? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Like you know, he's he's won the photography award, hasn't he? I suppose yeah, he was good. Architectural photography. He was a butcher. He was know, a good and, butcher. And he's had. Uh, he's had a you know a long and storied career as an actor. It's like uh, may- maybe he is a savvy businessman. We, uh, we just we simply don't know. Um, so it says the Amsley single "Love's Embrace" has already garnered a tremendous response from early listeners with its soul-stirring melody and poignant lyrics. The track beautifully captures a raw emotion of love, promising to become a timeless anthem for romantics everywhere. Mm. Um, there's a quote from saying music has always been deep, a deeply this is again uh, this Adam Wood yeah music has always been a deeply cherished part of my life and it's time for love as a labour of love I'm excited to share with the world each track is a reflection of oh yeah he's a reflection of my personal experiences and the universal theme of love that connects us all uh, it, the release of it's time for love marks a new chapter in Ian Bill's illustrious career revealing yet another facet of ex- his extraordinary talents as the world eagerly awaits the album's launch fans of music enthusiasts can expect a memorable and inspiring collection of songs that touch the heart and leave an indelible mark get ready to embark on an unforgettable musical f- voyage as Ian Bill's It's Time for Love sweeps across the globe the album will be available on all major streaming platforms on release date pre-order start on pre-order date for press inquiries interviews or promotional copies of the album please contact Media Con- and it's got all the Again, I'm not yeah, going to read yeah. out all of the... We're not going to read out that all details, of, no. All of the stuff. Um, Some of those emails might be extant. We don't want them getting spammed. No, we don't want... Responsible. We don't want... The The Twitter handle is amazing, though. At, <laughs> at Bill Music. I think we can give that out, can't we? At Bill Music. Yeah. We want to check out at it's Bill. A shame, it's a shame it's seemingly a kind of dead account at this point, but yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a good handle. Thanks, good handle. Elon. Thanks very much. Oh. Yeah, thanks, Elon. Well, Appreciate it. Everything app, well done. Yeah, you yeah. fucked it. You're taking the one thing that we all truly needed away. One thing we loved. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking prick. Um, yeah. You just ha- hearing you read through that because you know I've I've had a little scan of some of these bits. You said, oh, like Phil sent me all this stuff. I was like, oh, fucking brilliant. So we can do an episode in that case. Um, you reading that back, 
all the kind of talk of the universal themes of love and the idea of this voyage and stuff. I mean, it's ahead of its time because six years later, isn't that basically the plot of Interstellar, the Christopher Nolan film? <laughs> love transcending time and space. Prove me wrong. Uh, well, I can't, but I also, yeah, you yeah. can't prove yourself right, you don't unfortunately. Want to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you like. <laughs> if you like. I mean, hey, hey. If you like. Why not? Why not? Um, uh, he also um, was profiled in GQ around his time as well. Now, this is more the sort of mm. thing you'd expect, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. rather than correct. Casting a wide net. I mean, yeah, definitely rather than correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is quite interesting. Um, they call him an enigmatic virtuoso, um, poised sure. to make a seismic impact on the music scene. Um, it says, in a rare and intriguing stance, Woody has decided to remain tight-lipped about his artistic process, shunning the pry- prying eyes of the press. Think that's the reason? <laughs> <laughs> Think that's why? What are you implying, Steve? What am I implying? Ooh. Uh, I'm just saying... Nobody's really ever asked for a soap stars process, right? You know, <laughs> until we get Holly Valance's version of Black Star, I don't think people <laughs> don't think people are gonna be that bothered it, with it like how how did this come to how did the artistic writing of this record how did the division of this record come together? Mm. I don't think people are gonna be that fussed with uh, with it. Um, Just you wait, Kylie Minogue's The Fragile. <laughs> Yeah. That'll happen. Yeah. Um it's an interesting it's an interesting thing, this one. Uh it calls him um, a master of reinvention. Having built up a legacy of as a beloved soap star, um, he is now on the verge of forging a whole new identity as a musician. The audacity to switch careers so dramatically is testament to his fearless pursuit of passion and artistry. Despite the despite his silence, those close to Woodyat have offered glimpses into his world of creativity. Collaborators speak of his unyielding commitment to perfection and an uncanny ability to connect with music on an, an emotional le- level. Producer Eddie O'Connor who worked closely with him on the album, described their sessions as a journey through uncharted musical waters. I love shit like this. Yeah. I love I shit like this. It's great. It's so, it's so <laughs> ridiculous. You go, no, it wasn't, mate. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it, no, it wasn't. Uh, it's nice that they're saying that. It, it is, is nice. It is, it is nice. nice. Yeah. Um. Uh, some may question his unorthodox approach to promotion. There's no denying that he's captured the imagination of the music world like few others. Really? Uh, with an album that promises to transcend... It's like the year zero ARG. Yeah. It's, it sounds at the threshold of an illustrious music career in an industry often dominated by flashy personalities and tabloid fodder. His refusal to speak to the press about his artistic process sets him apart as a true enigma, leaving us to mm. eagerly await the moment when his music will finally speak for itself. Until then, we can only wonder at the magic he's woven into It's Time for Love. Um, he's like the armed, isn't he? He is. He's just like the armed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like sleep. Is he? Is he vessel in sleep dozen? Is he? Is it Adam Wood yet? Hey, hey, prove it. Prove us wrong. You don't know. So we got one little shout there, like one little interview, but then he didn't really do much else for it. But um, yeah. it was reviewed a fair bit. This record mm. by people that you wouldn't necessarily think would review this and we're going to start with our old mate robert christigou here he is can't believe it 
I can't believe he did more than an emoji. <laughs> He's written quite a lot. He's written quite yeah. a lot. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. <laughs> no, it is quite. I mean, by Chris's standards, it's a fucking essay. Yeah, it's a fucking. It's, it's a hell of a his lot. memoirs won't be as long as this. Um, <laughs> well, that'll just be a bomb emoji, won't it? Yeah, he says, where the album stumbles is in its lyrical content, which occasionally falls into cliches that detract from the emotional resonance he's attempted to convey. Tracks like Eternal Flame of Love and Love Will Conquer All regrettably rehash familiar tropes of affection without offering fresh perspectives, making them feel like a love song by numbers. Yet, it's time for Love's find its footing in the title track, which boasts an infectious groove. The interplay between jazzy instrumentation and surprisingly adept harmonica playing injects a dose of authenticity into the album. His passion shines through, allowing listeners to momentarily forget the persona of a television character and immerse themselves in the music. Um, as the album nears its conclusion, I love that it's true, a poignant ballad tugging at the heartstrings with sincerity, although the tune structure may be conventional, it serves as a fitting showcase for Bill's growth as an artist, displaying glimpses of maturity and introspection. Um, while it may not receive universal acclaim, it undoubtedly leaves an indelible mark on those who dare to listen with an open mind. Isn't it weird that of all the albums Robert Crisco has ever reviewed, that's the most coherent review? Unbelievable. For, for It's Time for Love. It's absolutely unbelievable. Not for Tori Amos, not for Rage Against the Machine, <laughs> not for Radiohead, but for this, it's like... <laughs> not, for, not, not for 90% of albums that just have a picture of a bomb next to it. Yeah. yeah. The Shape of Punk to Come. Oh, don't need to write anything about don't that. Don't need to write anything about no. Ian Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely I do. Definitely, I Definitely, do. Definitely, yeah. I mean, hey, you know, I, I think he's being fairly kind there mm. in that review. But uh, I mean, f for once with Robert Crisco, we actually know what he thought. We know what he actually thought. Yeah, I think that's the most baffling part of this entire episode. Uh, Mojo gave it four stars. Well, they gave everything four. It's Mojo. <laughs> yeah. Everything gets a four in Mojo. They gave it four stars, and uh, they say from the opening notes of the title track, "It's time for love." Uh, Ian Bill <laughs> envelops listeners with his warm, soulful vocals and impeccable instrumentation that instantly sets the tone for the album's romantic journey. Each song on this record seems to be crafted with a meticulous attention, allowing it to connect deeply with listeners on an emotional level. Tracks like Unraveled Dreams and Whispers in the Wind showcase Bill's ability to convey raw vulnerability through his vocals, while the subtle yet tasteful arrangements draw listeners closer into his introspective world. There's a genuine sense of sincerity that permeates through the album, making it a perfect soundtrack for both introspection and shared intimate moments. The album's production deserves applause as well. The rich, lush soundscapes are meticulously balanced, ensuring that Bill's vocals remain the centrepiece while being supported by a stellar backing band. The musicianship is exceptional and the skilled interplay between instruments elevates each composition to a higher plane. What truly sets It's Time for Love apart is Bill's willingness to explore a diverse range of musical styles, from soulful ballads to bluesy anthems, from folk-inspired storytelling to soft rock melodies, Bill's proves his versatility as an artist. This eclecticism brings a refreshing dynamic to the album, ensuring that every track is unique and a gratifying experience. While some may approach this album with scepticism due to its origin as an actor's venture, It's Time for Love stands confidently as a compelling work of art in its own right. Ian Bill demonstrates a genuine passion for music and his dedication shines through every note and lyric. In a world dominated by manufactured pop and superficial trends, It's Time for Love feels like a breath of fresh air. It's an album that reminds us of the power of authentic emotion and the universal language of love. Ian Bill's debut as a music artist is a triumph and I can't wait to see what other heartfelt stories he has in store for us in the future. Fucking hell. 
Fucking hell. I mean, hey, the Swans comparison at the beginning is not seeming so weird now, is it? When you think about the eclecticism that is contained therein. I mean, I'm surprised that they're that taken with it, apart from the fact it's Mojo. <laughs> Mojo. So, yeah. Kerrang, GQ, Mojo, weird, right? The whole thing. The village voice. The village well. voice. Weird. Yeah, yeah. Really weird. Nothing is weirder than this, right? I had to do mm. a quadruple take. When I read this, <laughs> this is a review from Terrorizer magazine. Yeah. Right. In it. From Terrorizer magazine. Ian Bill, it's time for love. Their album of the year this year would have been what, something by Nile, wouldn't it? Yeah. Probably, right, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we'll get the, the, we'll get the, we'll talk about the albums of the year thing in, the, in a little bit, actually. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, it, I mean, it's not in the Terrorizer. So, it's it's a, not, no. Spoiler. Prepare to have your eardrums baptised in a chaotic symphony of audacious, audacious audio debauchery as the enigmatic Ian Bill unleashes his magnum opus, It's Time for Love, upon the unsuspecting masses. In a baffling metamorphosis from Albert Square to the dark sonic realm, Bill, a name once synonymous with these enders, now emerges as a genuine force in the world of extreme music. With relentless fury and deranged creativity, it's time for love to fire its conventional genre boundaries, plunging headfirst into a maelstrom of grindcore, industrial noise, and avant-garde experimentation. Each track, a surreal journey of sonic dissonance, is drenched in existential themes that challenge the very fabric of reality. His haunting vocal delivery dances on the precipice of madness, echoing the pain and torment of a soul unhinged. Crushing riffs, blasting drums and dissonant melodies combine to create an abrasive opus that leaves no room for compromise. In It's Time for Love, Ian Bill has morphed from a TV character into a malevolent musical force, leaving listeners <laughs> paralysed by the nightmarish beauty of his creation. Brace yourself for this descent into madness is not for the faint-hearted, but it is a necessary experience for the brave souls willing to embrace the dissonant symphony of darkness. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's uh, blimey. I I do find that one a little odd because I mean, this is an eclectic album. It goes to a, a variety of places. I mean, there's some, uh, as I recall, I think there there is another review uh, coming up that mentions another genre that it forays into. But I mean, it's like they've written the whole review based on one track, which is uh, Square Life Hustle, which is one of my favourites. Yeah, that's the most kind of noisy and chaotic it gets. It's like if it weren't for the fact that they do actually use the album's title in that copy i would think they'd reviewed something, something else completely and different. put the wrong title on it yeah yeah it doesn't really add up but i'm glad they liked it um obviously it's not, we're not going to be all positive reviews hence why it's here on broken records i mean you would expect a few sort of snotty reviews the independent yeah. uh wrote a reveal of it saying a uh, reveal a review of it saying uh, calling it a cringeworthy a uh, cringeworthy melodic misstep in a baffling turn of events EastEnders famed entrepreneur Ian Bill attempts to dive headfirst into music industry with his debut album It's Time for Love regrettably this music endeavour leaves listeners cringing rather than swooning Bill's earnest efforts to evoke romance and passion through his lacklustre compositions fall flat resulting in an album that is best left forgotten opening track Love Embrace Sets the tone for the entire lacklustre affair. Bill's strained vocals struggle to stay in key and the overproduced instrumentals drown out any hint of genuine emotion. The lyrics are riddled with cliches and awkward rhymes, fail to connect with the listener on any meaningful level. One cannot help but wonder if Bill's focus on the music industry has been the ex at the expense of his expertise in managing the Queen Vic. Did he ever manage a Queen Vic? No. I mean, they've, they've got that badly wrong. Got that badly wrong. Um, there's a lot of other stuff. They talk about uh, Hearts United um, and Love's Conqueror's desperate pleas for adoration. Um, Heartbreak Groove um, ventures into hip-hop territory. 
disastrously, uh, it must yeah. be said. Yeah, uh, yeah. The glaring lack of authenticity in his attempts at these genres only served to highlight his musical ineptitude. Um, Bill's rapping, if it can even be called that, is cringe-inducing at best and laughable at worst. In conclusion, It's Time for Love is a misguided, cringeworthy attempt at a musical career, lacking in musical talent and emotional depth. Uh, Ian Bill's debut album fails to resonate with listeners on any level. Instead of evoking feelings of love and passion, it elicits nothing more than a collective eye roll. One can only hope that this ill-fated foray into music is merely a passing phase for the EastEnders character and that he will soon return to his rightful place, managing the Queen Vic. He's not managing the Queen Vic. <laughs> He's not managing the Queen Vic. Until then, It's Time for Love should be avoided by all those seeking genuine music musical artistry. Um, unsurprising savage. as well. Savage. He got 3.7 on Pitchfork as well, who didn't love Which it. Which is almost, almost twice as good as the Fragile. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they say Ian Bill's debut album It's Time for Love is a puzzling foray into the world of music leaving listeners to question whether Bill's talents truly lie in the realm of songcraft or if this is just a misguided passion project from a man known for his prowess in running a fictional, <laughs> fictional fish and chip <laughs> That is a good I mean, line. when you put it like that, that yeah, yeah, fair play, Pitchfork. Uh, oh, unfortunately, this ill-conceived musical endeavour falls far short of the artist's lofty ambitions. Um, right from the opening track, Fishy Love. See, that's not the opening track. The listener is subjected to, but, to yeah. Fishy Love should have been the opening track. That's a great title. Bill... Bill's attempts to infuse emotion into his singing come across as forced and inauthentic, leaving us wonder, wondering if he genuinely believes in the themes he's trying to convey. Uh, the production further exacerbates its flaws. The sound quality is inconsistent with some tracks sound as if they were recorded in a bedroom studio with low-budget equipment. The lack of polished tracks from redeeming features that the songs might possess, making it hard to engage with the album on a sonic level. Uh, in conclusion, It's Time for Love is a forgettable and misguided attempt at musical stardom. The lackluster vocals, poor production and inspired lyrics all contribute to an album that leaves much to be desired as the world grapples with serious musical talents, pushing bands and redefining genres. This offering falls flat, proving that not all celebrity crossovers are destined for musical success. Um, the NME's albums of the year, 2008 though. Number one, your favorite worst nightmare by the Arctic Monkeys. A great album. Mm -hmm. In Rainbows by Radiohead. Another stellar pick. Vampire Weekend by Vampire Weekend. Band I feel like I should go back to. I feel yeah, like there's really been some similar. kind of critical reappraisal. I mean, I remember A Punk coming out and, I mean, at the time, I hated it, obviously, but that's because I was a, a little wanker 14-year-old, so maybe I should go back to it. Uh, Fleet Foxes by Fleet Foxes. Mm, uh, Only by the Night by Kings of Leon. Oraculous Spectacular by MGMT. The Age of Understatement by Last Shadow Puppet. Seven Seed Kid by Elbow. It's very good. For Emma Forever Ago by Bon Iver. Dear Science by TV on the Radio. Port Z Third. Uh, that one with the fucking weird name by Shiga Ross. Intimacy by Block Party. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Santa Gold. Santa Gold. Foles. Antidote. Day and Age by The Killers. Dig Out Your Soul by Oasis. Shouldn't be there, should it? Saturdays Definitely equals not. youth by M83, Made in the Dark by Hot Chip, and the other album that I didn't actually put in there. It's time for love. In the enemy top twenty albums of the year. It's impressive how divisive a release it was. Yeah. Yeah. It could be savaged by the independent, but you know, put in the albums of the year by the enemy. Yeah. I mean two thousand eight was a weird time. It was a very weird time. And he actually uh he went out and toured this album as well. He went out and toured this album. Mm. Um uh there is a piece, um a news article, I can't find from where it is actually from. 
Um, but it's about kind of going out and him acting like a rock star and, you know, behaving, mm-hmm. behaving like a rock star. Um, it says, fans were left in awe as a mild-mannered businessman traded his Albert Square roots for the glitz and glam of the music world. Yet the aftermath of the tour saw Bill making headlines for his extravagant behaviour. Reports of lavish parties, luxury yacht escapades and high-stakes gambling in international casinos dominated tabloids. Don't remember that happening. Um, I mean, I, don't, I wasn't. I wasn't reading the Sun at the time. So. Yeah. Um, critics argue this rockstar persona is far from the humble Ian Bill they once knew. Concerns have been raised about his mm. personal well-being as he navigates this new world of fame, fortune, and excess. Despite the controversies, his music has ga- ga- garnered surprising praise from unexpected quarters. With some critics acknowledging, acknowledging his raw talent and unique expro- approach to storytelling through music, as uh, the spotlight mm. remains firmly fixed on his rockstar metamorphosis. Fans and critics alike are left wondering if this larger-than-life phase is a temporary diversion or a permanent departure from the familiar face of Wolfer's favourite businessman. Only time will tell if this musical journey has irrevocably transformed the character or if it all, if he'll return to the streets of Albert Square bearing the traces of his extravagant adventure. <laughs> extravagant is nice. the word. Nice, nice. Um, so there's a lot to unpack in all of that, Sam. There yeah. is a lot to unpack. But I'm going to ask you... What do you think about It's Time for Love by Adam Woodyat, a.k.a. Ian Bill? I mean, how do I do the, the kind of audio equivalent of the Guy Goma gif, Steve? Well, it's quite hard to review this album. I think probably the hardest thing that makes it hard to kind of really surmise how this album sounds and why it's here would be that it doesn't actually exist, does it? Doesn't actually no. exist. Um, no. What you've just been listening to is Chat <laughs> GTP uh, that we have created because somebody decided to suggest this album, and this album is a funny, funny joke. Doesn't actually exist, and I think that they probably thought, "Oh, they won't do. They won't. Do, they'll get there." And it won't be there, and they'll go, "Oh, you made us look stupid." And now, well, the joke's on you because we've still done this episode even though this record doesn't actually exist so phil the manager i did actually send that email to phil the manager he he didn't respond he didn't respond at all i gave him a couple of little nudges he didn't respond there is absolutely no evidence of adam wood yet making an album at all and um yeah, It's Time for Love by Ian Bill, a.k.a. Adam Woodyat, doesn't actually exist as an album. But yet, despite that, I feel like we should rank it anyway. I think we should. I yeah. feel like we should. <laughs> feel like we've done the work <laughs> of creating an entire chat GTP AI existence and world for that. There is actually a, um, a 15th anniversary retrospective piece that we made as well, which I was going to save uh, yeah. for, for the end of it. Um which uh which came from i mean i, I can't actually remember where i've, I've actually just... it's the guardian I, it's I the guardian so the, is the, prompt, the yeah. guardian's 15th year anniversary so it would this would be its 15th anniversary this album if it existed yes yeah so um hmm. the reissue is coming the reissue is coming uh it, was the issue the <laughs> She's <laughs> coming. It says, in the annals of pop culture history, few albums have generated as much intrigue and bewilderment as Ian Bill's 2000 Studio Venture. I do like the way that we kind of, we actually went, Ian Bill, and they've treated, <laughs> the, the AI has treated Ian Bill like a real person. Well, I don't know if you've still got um, 
the prompts as I sort of left them in, but like for a lot of them, I did put write this in yeah. this style as if Ian Beale is a real person and a musician making an album. It did actually create I, a, I thought a, that'd be funny. It created a full track listing as well, which I believe you have there. I don't have the track list in front of me. Do you I want have, to read out yeah, the full yeah, track yeah, listing yeah. of this uh, this imaginary record? Yeah, go on. Uh, so track one is Lovers Embrace. Uh, track two is Unraveled Dreams. Uh, track three is Wolford's Tears. <laughs> I think arm. that would be good. I think that <laughs> would be good. Wolford's Tears, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've then got In Your Arms, uh, Love Will Conquer All, mm. It's Time for Love. The, the title, title track, track. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the latter Alice of the album. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Whispers in the Wind. Uh, oh, sorry. Fishy Love and then Whispers in the Wind. Yeah. Square Life Hustle, which I think that might be my favourite. Oh, no, no. <laughs> there's one other that's my favourite. Uh, Unbreakable Hearts, Heartbeat Groove and A Love That's True. And there is also a track title mentioned in the Guardian uh, anniversary retrospective that I wish I could have fit in. But, uh, yeah. Yes. And chips of love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the standout tracks. <laughs> Fish and chips of love remains a puzzling enigma even today. Even today. It's like Michael Shearer. It's surreal lyrics and whimsical instrumentation create an atmosphere both enduring and disorientating. Bill's and his delivery and seemingly genuine emotional investment in his music demanded a certain level of respect, even if it was difficult to ascertain whether this was a genuine creative endeavour or a masterful performance of irony. Well, in our case, this is definitely... Uh, a masterful performance in irony. The prompts are very good, Sam. Right, a 15-year reappraisal of Ian Bill's studio album, It's Time for Love, in the style of The Guardian. I do like that you went full, because I was like, let's see if we can fool people with this. I do think anyone who's sitting there go, God, bloody hell, Terrorize have actually reviewed the Ian. <laughs> no. We well, made... to be honest, I did that one as a joke, and I, I thought, like, uh, you'll just find that funny. <laughs> I did find it funny. I thought, chuck it in anyway. Chuck it in yeah, anyway. But, like, I tell you what, it is funny how this podcast occasionally does throw up some weird things, because this morning, right, this very morning, mm. the Mirror, the Daily Mirror, have... So you Google Adam Woodyat, because we're like, well, we better, put, we better talk about him. He's the bloke we're talking about. No idea what actual music he likes. Tried to find nah, some stuff nah. on like what music he likes. He doesn't even appear to like music. I mean, he, you know, he does seem like, again, like no shade on Adam Wood yet as a man at all. No, no, because, no. you know, he's been in that. And also we should say, you know, he, in his personal life, um, uh, he's done a lot of work for charity, various cancer mm-hmm. research initiatives. Um, he's a, yeah, uh, he's run the London Marathon um mm. he supports liverpool so like he's um he's a big sci-fi fanatic not really that bothered by music at all by the looks of things can't be bothered but today in the papers or on the the mirror's website it says inside eastenders adam woodyatt's motorhome king size bed chic and kitchen and huge cost that is a terrible headline i have to say um oh, mate i mean the body copy is awful as well yeah um so he's he got divorced recently um uh and um he came back to eastenders this week we got divorced um and um following his split from his wife of 32 years beverly sharp uh he's living in a kind of motorhome he's living in a a caravan which is you know like that's it's a proper luxury it's a proper luxury yeah and you know people that, that's that's fine like you know mm-hmm. people need to you know live where they need to live um yeah you do wonder had he actually released this album 
maybe he would have sold, maybe gone platinum, and he would have more money. So I think yeah. there's a lesson between there, that there? and the photography award. You know, yeah, yeah. There's a lesson there that maybe you know, maybe maybe it's not just a joke after all. Maybe he should have actually made this album, mm. and uh, and he wouldn't be living in a motorhome. Not there's anything wrong. We're living in a motorhome. It does look quite a nice nope. one. And he's back in his end of scene, so hopefully he gets himself back up on his feet. Can you hear that? That fucking cat just came tearing down the stairs. What do you want? <laughs> what could you possibly want? Um, yeah, so it's hard to know where to rank an album that doesn't actually exist. But mm. for me, I'm going to say, uh, even though this isn't a real album and it doesn't mm. exist, I still think it's better than Brandon by Motley Crue. <laughs> So I mean, I'm there is nothing worse. I'm happy to put it one place above Generation <laughs> Swine by Motley Crue, which would stick it in at number twenty-three. Uh, it would be above Sergeant Pepper's, Mr. Blobby, Motley Crue, and then it would be just below Richard Ashcroft, uh, United Nations of Sound, Captain Rock and All. I think that feels like a good place to put it. Purely, purely just to hammer home how much I fucking hate Motley Crue <laughs> and how much I hate the song Brandon she is the one uh yeah I'm fine with that I think that works good well there you go um don't try and fuck with us I think it's is your own time you're, is wasting. That you're wasting your own time we could have been doing a proper album right I mean we have to take a little bit of the you know well, I say we me yeah I have to take a little bit of the blame here because I was highly gullible and I just went, oh, yeah, okay, I'll just put that in the hat straight away without checking if it actually exists or not. Um, mm. But there are some. So when people are like, oh, check out the Steven Seagal album. I'm like, are you trying to fucking fuck with me, mate? But there is a Steven Seagal album. Yeah, um, I've seen that clip doing the round on Twitter. Now, I can tell you for a fact, Sam, I've just picked out the next album that we're going to be doing. I can tell you for a fact that this mm. album does exist because I Good. own it on CD. And you may well have heard of this band. Next time on True Crap Pop, we will be doing... Fly on the Wall by ACDC. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard of personally. I've heard of it, ACDC. Yeah. Can I shock you? I know ACDC. They are a band. Yeah, no, they fly, are a real band. Fly on the Wall. I, I've definitely heard it before and I don't remember liking it very much. Okay. Yeah. They also, they were in Hollyoaks for a little bit, ACDC, weren't they? So uh, they we'll were, be talking yeah, yeah. about that as well, I'm sure. Yes. Um, I hope <laughs> you've enjoyed this <laughs> episode. <laughs> I very much doubt there'll be another one like it ever again. But, you know, I just, uh, I think we both were a bit like, uh, uh, just a complete refusal to back down. A stubborn, mm. a stubbornness um that I think is uh, should be admired, but also it's yep. a little bit exhausting as well. Yeah, 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 big time. Yeah, yeah, big time, big time. All right. Well, anyway, thanks very much for listening. Go over to patreon.com forward slash True Pop if you want to hear any of our exclusive content over there. And uh, we'll be back next time with probably me doing Brian Johnson impressions. Be a laugh on it. Oh, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> um, cheers, mate. See you later. See you later.